Hey everyone, what's good? It's Naisha, the hip hop therapist. Welcome back to Hip Hop Therapy. Thank you for tuning in. I hope all is well with y'all. This is episode four of season one, first episode of the year 2020. And it looks like another year of fuckery, y'all. We still in a panorama. We may be about to go to war. Crime is crazy. Racism still alive. <laughs> but honestly, I'm hopeful for this year. Um, and I just have to stay positive. Uh, I meant to release this last month for Black History Month, but clearly that did not happen due to some personal issues. But I am back. Thank you for being patient with me. And we're still going to talk about some Black shit because that's just how I am. But before we get into episode four, thank you all for the feedback on the last episode, Everyday Struggle on Depression. A lot of y'all said this was the best episode yet, to which I am extremely flattered. Some people even said that they now view the album from a deeper perspective. And once again, a lot of y'all said that you could relate to the content. And it's clear to me there's a lot of trauma that we all go through and collective healing that has to be done. So I hope that this is the first step in that journey and that you can use this platform to de-stress and to learn more. Uh, something I want to touch on because in the last episode I spoke on suicide, um, trigger warning. Um, I'm noticing an increase in suicides and two recent stories that really affected me were um, the death of Ian Alexander Jr., who is Regina King's son, and Chesley Chris, who was the former um, Miss USA. And uh, this is not just with celebrities, but there's been an increase in suicides with people in general as well, um, including adolescents, which is really sad. And I don't know if I touched on this in detail in the last episode, but a lot of people deal with high functioning depression. And these are the people on the outside really seem to have it all, but they are still battling depression. And it's so sad to me um, that you can have all this love and support and, you know, family that just loves you down and is there for you. And depression will still win. Uh, and, you know, these people, they present one way and they're fighting a battle that we don't even see. And it's so disheartening, you know. And, you know, I gave you guys a hotline number um, on the last episode. But, you know, that's not enough. And checking in with your friends is great. Keep doing it. But even that's not enough, you know, and I don't know what the answer is sometimes. The answer is very complex. Um, but I think that we need to, in the society, focus on a community of wellness. And that includes a lot of different things. That includes destigmatizing mental illness. That includes increased access to care for people because there's a lot of barriers with access and care and finding the right provider. Um, that means better housing, more affordable housing. That means um, pro-justice informed therapy, you know, and then that means a stronger sense of community, just like us caring about our fellow man, our like other people, you know. Um, something that uh, one of my listeners said, 
is, uh, you know, because I had mentioned in the last episode certain things that you should not say to somebody dealing with depression. And he was like, oh, wow, I was embarrassed because some of the things you said not to say, I said to somebody who was dealing with it. And I'm like, shoot, me too. Um, you know, I've said some cringy things to a friend that was depressed. And, uh, you know, I think we all made uh, that misstep in our lives. But once we know better, we do better. We are all still learning. And that's what this platform is for. And I hope that we could all educate ourselves and that we are kind to each other and we do the work moving forward. So today I wanted to discuss something that I hope that y'all will find interesting. Um, it's not a topic that's as heavy as before. <laughs> um, I'm a social worker, so we look into all types of systems. And part of attacking anti-Blackness is to attack it on all levels across the, all systems. So today I want to talk about language. And language is so important, especially in hip-hop. It's uh, cultural. It's part of our identity. It's how we communicate and so much more. Uh, something about me, my minor in college was anthropology, and I took a class in linguistic anthropology. So I'm finally about to put that to use today, child. I'm going to quote a great philosopher, Dave Chappelle. He once said, every Black American is bilingual, all of them. We all speak street vernacular and we speak job interview. So what he's describing here is Ebonics, or what's now referred to as AAVE. He's also talking about code switching, which we will explore at a later time. Have you ever heard of AAVE? If you have not, I'm about to tell you. AAVE is African American Vernacular English, also called BAVE, Black American Vernacular English in some cases. So we've been told growing up that you should speak pro properly, that slang is some nigga shit and is broken English, it's uneducated and it's low class. And all of that is actually rooted in racism. And I didn't even know that until I was an adult. And to this day, these racist ideas about AAVE are still maintained. But the truth is that AAVE is just as sophisticated as standard English and uses many distinctions and nuances that standard, quote unquote, English lacks. But despite all that, there are many misconceptions about AAVE and speakers of AAVE have major consequences for using it. For example, implicit bias for using it. So today we're gonna to discuss what AAVE is. We're gonna discuss the history of AAVE we're going to explain why it's its own dialect and is just as rich and complicated as various other dialects. And finally, I'm going to talk about why I use it with clients in practice. And hopefully this episode will give what it's supposed to have gave. Check it. 
Your bank roll is your poke. A chokehold is a yoke. A kite is a note. A con is a okie doke. And if you got punched, that means you got snuff. So clean this to buff. A bull scare is a strong stuff. I know you like the way I'm freaking it. I talk with slang and I'm a never. So the clip you just heard is Ebonics by Big L. Rest in peace to Big L. He was a Harlem legend, gunned down way too young. Brief sidebar, this is happening more and more frequently with rappers nowadays. Let me know if you guys want me to discuss it or if you want a full episode where I'll talk about it more in depth. But um, back to what I was saying. The song is a great example of different types of slang. But AAVE is more than just slang. It is not bad English. It is a full-fledged dialect of English. Similar to how Creole and Patois are dialects, which means some people won't even, you know, fully understand. What is a dialect? A dialect is a variety of language that is distinguished from other varieties of the same language by features of phonology, grammar, and vocabulary. It's also distinguished by its use by groups of speakers that vary geographically or sonically. That is from dictionary.com. It is entirely rule-bound, meaning it has very clear grammar. So if you do not conform to the rules of AAVE, the result is ungrammatical sentences, which will I will explain and give an example of later on. It is beautiful the way it is. Uh, its origins come from enslaved Africans who had to develop their own way of communication due to them you know, losing their culture and they couldn't speak in their native language. So out of necessity, Black people developed their own style of speaking. And oftentimes it was coded language so they could communicate with each other. And as you can see, it has evolved into you know, what it is today and it is fully expressed and utilized in hip hop. And in this song, which displays mostly New York slang, which I happen to be an expert on, <laughs> um, let's go ahead and discuss the origins of AAV. Okay, so what are the origins of AAVE? There are two major theories that are debated by linguists on the origins of AAVE the Creole origin hypothesis, and the dialect divergence hypothesis. So the Creole hypothesis basically states that AAVE began by mixing different West African languages with English to create a new means to communicate. And that over time, the Creole converged and um, mixed with standard English. So that means, you know, a lot of English words, but still a distinct difference from quote-unquote regular English. Creolization is what happens when a lot of people speak different languages but need a common means to communicate. So they mix their languages together to make one. Um, as y'all can imagine, that was you know forced in uh, large slave plantations who develop Creole since you know West Africa has hundreds of unique languages and cultures and European slave owners forced them into shared plantations. The term Creole itself is drawn from Haitian Creole, which emerged as a direct result of the slave trade. The more you know. <laughs> uh, the dialect hypothesis states that the or 
The earliest forms of AAVE emerged from African slaves coming in contact with indentured servants and learning their dialect in order to communicate with the servants and each other. And that over time, this dialect evolved into AAVE. Now, to me, I don't know, they both they both make sense, but the Creole one sounds a little more right. But, you know, I'm no linguist. But either way, the oldest form of AAVE ever emerged in the South since, you know, slavery was concentrated on Southern plantations. And that's why AAVE includes Southern pronunciation and grammar like the word ain't. So AAVE spread across the country with the movement of Black people, specifically the Great Migration, in the early 1900s. And as it spread across the U.S., each region developed distinct differences. In the song I've chosen, Ebonics by Big L, you know, he focuses on New York, New York slang because, you know, he's from Harlem. Um, and I'm sure a lot of the terminology is recognized by people everywhere. You know, when we say mad, when we say brick, dead ass, you know, everyone knows what we're talking about. <laughs> um, but that goes for other locations as well. You know, Southern, West Coast, Midwest, East Coast. Um, AAVE in Baltimore, you know, is different from, you know, L.A., and New York. And the crazy thing is that sometimes it's so, you know, different that um people black even black other black people in different regions don't even know what we're talking about. Like if you, you know, travel down south, they may say something and you're like, what are you what are you saying, you know? <laughs> um so, you know, we don't know that that specific dialect. Um also, as you'll know, AAVE varies widely through time. You know, it it changes from you know the 70s to you know today the slang is totally different and the black lgbtqa community influenced aave greatly and this spread has also influenced standard english some phrases like to have beef with or to give props to are commonly used in standard english and that is actually aave but it's you know it's been used so much that it's just you know consider regular English at this point. But a lot of people don't know like that is the true origin of it. And the internet has helped accelerate this process as slang and different phrases, you know, spread quickly across social media and specifically through music. So this leads directly into my discussion of the appropriation of AAVE. I want to give you guys an example. So last year, I think around the summertime, Saturday Night Live did a sketch called Gen Z Hospital in which the comedians use AAVE incorrectly at that. Uh, you know what? Let's go ahead and get into a brief clip of this sketch. I'm extra salty right now. How could Bestie be so irresponsible? Oh, millions of people flip their Hellcat on live every day, cuh. Yeah, you know that could have happened to anyone in the gang. I know, but when it's Bestie, it just hit different. Yeah, especially since Bestie is my mom. <laughs> Yo, she's not just your mom. She's all our work moms. Exactly, but please, go off, King. But she's actually my mother, bro, so it's like a little different. High key, it's not, though. Yeah, so take several seats respectfully, flop. Look, the doctor's coming back in. 
Hey guys, so big yikes. While I was out here chopping it up with you, your bestie took a turn for the worst. Now, nigga, what the fuck was that? <laughs> Yo, oh my gosh. So one of my main issues with this sketch, besides the obvious cringiness of it, is the title. This is titled Gen Z Hospital. No, hell no. This is a large misconception. AAVE in this context has been reduced to Gen Z language, quote unquote, or internet language or TikTok language. Um, Gen Z, for those who don't know, are people who were born in the late 90s, early 2000s. So that's our you know, teenagers, 20-something-year-olds right now. But A-V-E is none of that. It's way more than that. And even though these phrases can be attributed, some of the phrases can be attributed to Gen Z. Uh, no offense to y'all, I love Gen Z. Um, it's way more than Gen Z language, quote-unquote. And what happens is as soon as a word or praise gets popular, it's absorbed by other communities who strip it of uh, context and nuance, and then they use it incorrectly, which goes back to what I was saying about poor grammar in AAVE. A uh, new slang is created only to be appropriated and replaced, and so on. And then also, companies use it to pander to us, which is also very problematic. You know, this is all about corporate marketing. And companies, you know, they're desperate to seem um, cool or whatever with, you know, the younger crowd. So they team up with rappers and they run campaigns and it works. And now with the rise of social media, these corporations have uh, access to us and windows into our dialect that otherwise they couldn't have accessed before. So now more than ever, the, these companies want to seem like us. And the best way to appeal to a younger def- demographic is to speak our language. But this all, you know, circles back to what I said in um, some of the previous podcasts that I've done is that uh, a lot of things that are black are attacked when it when we do it and then praised when someone else non-black does it. And that is the problem with appropriation. So despite AAVE's systematic and complex structure, it's still highly stigmatized as a result of anti-blackness and classism. So yeah, people still view it as ghetto and inappropriate. Studies show that AAVE is viewed as less intelligent, which forces us to code switch and watch our speech in certain settings. Y'all know how to code switch. You know, it's when we put on our proper voice in certain situations like job interviews or uh, phone calls with customer service or banks. <laughs> um, and p- sometimes people say, you know, oh, we're trying to sound white. No, that's called code switching. And that goes back to the quote from Dave Chappelle that I stated at the beginning of the podcast, you know, about Black Americans speaking uh, street vernacular and job interview. Um, code switching is done out of necessity to avoid racism and navigate the system of white oppression. But it can be problematic in it in of itself because should we have to constantly focus on changing ourselves to make white people feel more comfortable or to make ourselves more palatable? Something to think about. This is especially pronounced, it has an especially pronounced effect in court, where one study found that transcriptions of AAVE were wrong two-fifths of the time. <laughs> 
sometimes reading the exact opposite of the testimony given, and that the white judges and juries misunderstood testimony given in AAVE. Uh, according to my research, uh, this was a big factor in the Zimmerman trial uh, regarding uh, Trayvon Martin. So with that being said, should AAVE be taught in schools? Now that we understand it's a dialect, what do y'all think? Yes or no? And let me know why. You know, this could it could possibly be a good thing because uh, education works by, you know, educating the community to try to break down the stigma that surrounds AAVE and fight back against linguistic racism. Now, here's a question. Can non-Black people use it? No. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, that's a complex answer for a very complex question. You know, um, language is cultural exchange. So it flows to and from different groups of people. And America adopts a lot of what Black Americans consider cool. So it'll inevitably make an impact on culture. But what we see a lot of the time is non-Black people using AAVE or a quote-unquote Black scent to try to make a mockery of us, you know? They're faking it and they're using it wrong and then it sounds ridiculous, you know, even racist. Uh, there's an Asian actress uh, and comedian, Aquafina, who gets dragged for it a lot on Twitter. <laughs> um, you know, the thing is, uh, what these people do is they, you know, use AAVE for whatever reason to try to relate to us, to make money off of us. And then, you know, once they get big, they, uh, you know forget it or act like, you know, they never did it in the first place. And that could be problematic. Uh, so I said that I would explain why I will use AAVE in practice. And let me explain that a little bit more. According to my research, um, I found data that showed that Black professionals who tend to code switch more frequently, which is, you know, what I discussed, uh, what code switching is earlier, um, report significantly more workplace fatigue and burnout from their current positions. And that's because, you know, they have to be a different person and kind of mask all the cultural assets that they value. And, you know, those same things aren't valued in their workplace. So it's kind of like they have to bring a different person to the workplace and then keep with that personality throughout the workday. So it's kind of like you're acting, you know, low key. And that's draining and that will lead to mental health consequences. Therefore, I'd rather just avoid all that and be myself. <laughs> and that's not to say that code switching can't be useful in certain settings, but I don't want to come to work and put on a mask and feel like I'm acting. I will just use it in practice. I will just communicate with my clients, you know, as a way to better relate to them. You know, don't force it. I mean, think about that. Wouldn't it be cool if you had a therapist or a mental health provider who speaks to you in AAVE, if that's how you choose to communicate? Like, if you say to them, you know, oh, that shit got me tight. You want them to know what you're talking about, you know? Or, you know, they respond to you like, oh, so they had you fucked up, you know, what are you playing in your face? Like, it's just so much better to communicate with someone who just gets it, you know, and know your audience, you know, don't, don't, I wouldn't use recent slang with an elderly client. <laughs> and that doesn't mean, you know, you go into your presentations with the clinical director 
to start using AAVE. So don't tell them that Naisha said it was okay for you to do that <laughs> because it's not. But, um, you know, maybe if I start my own practice, you know, I'll allow my coworkers and my interns to, you know, use a little AAVE when they do their clinical presentations, you know, because it'll be my shit. <laughs> but, you know, we will see. So that is all for today. I hope you guys have a better understanding of AAVE and that you learned something new. So we are about halfway through the season and I decided to do about three or four more episodes for season one. So a solid eight episodes. Uh, and then I will be back for season two. And I have some very interesting topics coming up for season two. I want to talk about sex. I want to talk about um, the lean issue in hip hop and the opiate crisis. Um, I have working on writing an episode on colorism, um, the police and prison systems, psychotic disorders. It's just a bunch of stuff and I may even do it this season. So please stay tuned. So that's all y'all. Uh, what have you guys been listening to lately? You know, I've been all over the place. Uh, right now I'm listening to Griselda. Um, Benny the Butcher and Conway just dropped. Those projects are fire. Um, I'm still listening to Nas's Magic album. Y'all know that's my dude. Um, dropped late last year, but still in rotation. Um, and I've been listening to Gunna's Drip Season for Life. That album is fire too, honestly. Low key. Don't tell nobody. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think it'll be a good year for hip hop, y'all. So we will see. Uh, thank you so much for listening to this podcast. Um, I got over 300 listens. I think I'm at 325, but I would love to double and even triple that. So please subscribe to my channel. Uh, you can contribute as low as a dollar a month. Go to anchor.com slash hip hop is therapy. Thank you so much once again for your support. And until next time, y'all. Bye. Big L, rest in peace. Rest in peace.